rkblack.com or call 943-9800. It's time for the Friday Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Hit the guys up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino calling line at 405-329-9000. Now, with your Friday Rush, here's Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Anybody interested in about uh, West Virginia this week? It's a fair question by Brent Vittables, and he threw that out there on Tuesday right after his press conference, and I feel like everyone was, hey, Brent, give us a few days, all right? Then we'll be ready to... Talk about West Virginia. Just let me complain about the Baylor game just for a couple more days at least. Well, it's a football Friday now, Travis. Are we finally ready to talk about this OU-West Virginia game coming up tomorrow? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, I've been watching, uh, you know, other other coaches' press conferences, you know, throughout the week as I'm getting, you know, ready to talk. And it's it's funny. It seems like it's kind of a nationwide thing that a lot of people treated this week like, okay, uh, you know, give us your your full season's uh, worth of questions in this press conference. Seems like nobody's talking about, you know, their opponents. But you know what? Today we are, finally. Yeah, and the spread is up to eight and a half. It jumped up to eight and a half today. Um, it opened at five and a half on Sunday. Quickly got to seven and a half. Got up to eight earlier in the week. It held there for a couple of days. But I guess some money's coming in on OU. OU is now an eight and a half point favorite. And OU... 57% of the money is currently on the Sooners, and that was at like 1 o'clock today, so maybe that's changed. But some late money on this Friday coming in on the Sooners. Can, can we just call this what it is, Travis? Um, because what this is tomorrow, this is a game against the worst team in the Big 12. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you today that I expect OU to go up there and win by 21 or 28 points, and it's going to be a stress-free afternoon. That's not what I'm telling you because I don't believe that that's going to be the case. But what I am telling you is this is the same team that lost by 17 to Iowa State last week, and we saw how bad Iowa State was a couple of weeks ago. This is a game against the worst team in the conference. You should win this game tomorrow, whether it's a hard-fought game or a blowout, whatever it is, you should win this game tomorrow against the worst team in the league. Yeah, you you absolutely should win this game. Um you know, it's a bit of a different, you know, we talked about, you know, going Iowa State, you know, top-ranked defense in the uh, uh, in the conference, and then you go Baylor, and they are the second-ranked team defensively in the conference and had actually taken over the number one rushing defense in the conference. Yeah, after the, facing those two defenses, this offense has to be salivating to see this defense because West Virginia's defense, I know they're getting some players back, uh, especially in the secondary, but... Dylan Gabriel should have a field day, and Eric Gray, I mean, I th- I think he continues his 100-plus yard, uh, you know, rushing streak that he's on right now. Uh, he's been on an absolute tear, and I think that continues. Yeah, it's going to be really disappointing if this offense goes up there tomorrow and lays an egg and they are just not – 
they don't look like they're clicking on all cylinders. Um, because West Virginia, they've given up 40 points per game in the last five games, and they have a Big 12 low, three interceptions all year long. So what's the West Virginia defense right now, Travis? Well, they're a, they're a group that doesn't get a whole lot of stops. They give up a whole lot of points, and they don't get you to turn the ball over, at least not through the year with interceptions. Again, three interceptions all year long. And I know that they've been beat up in the back end of their defense and they're getting a little bit healthier, but still, the, the situation is extremely ripe for OU to put up a ton of points tomorrow, not only with Dylan Gabriel, but like you said with Eric Gray. I will be very disappointed if this offense doesn't doesn't throw up a whole lot of numbers because it should because one everyone else has this year including Iowa State who scored thirty one against these guys a week ago. Yeah, I mean Iowa State got everything they wanted and and Tyler, I know some people still are kind of on this, but the offense hasn't been the problem. We I mean we were against Baylor a, a really really good defense. Uh, you know we hadn't. You know, we hadn't scored. I mean, last year, Caleb Williams, two interceptions, 14 points, like nothing. We go for 500 yards, 10 of 15 on third down, um, 35 points. Like, the offense hadn't been the problem. I mean, and now you roll into West Virginia. I mean, it should be it should be an absolute field day. And I'll tell you what, Tyler, uh, JT Daniels has been struggling down the stretch. Uh, started conference playoff well. Um, he's got a cannon, but he's had an f- interception in four straight games. Yep. He's actually, I believe, had more interceptions over his last uh, four games uh, than he has had touchdowns. So he's a guy that will take risks down the field. Um, so I think this is a really good spot uh, for the OU defense to kind of get some of that confidence back because Baylor took the confidence. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see two quarterbacks from West Virginia tomorrow. I, I think that you're going to see Garrett Green in um, – in certain drives, who's a smaller guy who's much more of a dual threat than JT Daniels is. Yeah, because JT Daniels, he had season lows of eight completions, 22 attempts, and 81 yards in last week's loss to Iowa State. Now, Iowa State is a good defense, we know that, but eight of 22 for 81 yards, that's a really bad day for JT Daniels. Yeah, he's thrown for five touchdowns and six interceptions over his last four games. Um, so th- those aren't necessarily great numbers for him. The West Virginia fans are really wanting Garrett Green to get more snaps, and I think that he's probably going to do so. Like listening to Neil Brown, and not that he's dumb enough to tip his hand on what he's going to do, but just using kind of common logic as to what the OU defense is right now, and you know how West Virginia can be successful. They're, they're obviously going to throw the ball with JT Daniels. But, man, I think West Virginia's game plan is simple. It's going to be like everyone else's. We are going to try to out-physical OU's front seven, and we are going to run the football right at them and see if they can stop it. I think it's. I think that's the game plan for West Virginia, and they're going to try to mix in some deep throws and play action down the field. Yeah, it, I mean, looking at OU's rush defense, that has to be every team's game plan, right, Tyler? I mean – the Baylor game, we gave up two, 281 yards on the ground. It was the fourth time, Tyler, this season that we've given up 275-plus on the ground. That's insane. 119th-ranked national rush defense, obviously last in the Big 12, uh, giving up basically 200 a game. What's crazy is if we that, – that includes, you know, some, some games where we held like Iowa State to 66 yards. Uh, you know, we held – uh, I think it was UTEP. We held to like 
nine yards or something like that. So you've had games that have really been like seemingly outliers to pull that average down, but we've had some absolute disasters. And it wasn't just the the, the big gashing runs. It was the disheartening fourth and one they pick it up. You know, the fourth like it was it were it was the the fashion in which they picked up the, the those rushing yards, Tyler, that really did them in. Text line says, how many 100-yard rushing games does Eric Gray have this year? Well, Eric Gray has three consecutive 100-yard rushing games, and he has six 100-yard games uh, all season long. 902 total yards, Travis. Will Eric Gray get to the 1,000-yard mark tomorrow? Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. He better. Um, he, better get to a, he better get over he, 100 yards tomorrow, or over 98 yards, I guess. Well, well, and the thing about Eric Gray, I mean, I remember, you remember when we were in, in Omaha, Tyler, you, me, and Teddy doing radio, and there were a lot of people on the text line that said, man, Marcus Major is RB1. You know, he's going to have this, that, and the other. I mean, so early in the season, I mean, he's, Eric Gray didn't get 20 carries until the Kansas game, Tyler. I mean, it was they were splitting carries, this, that, and the other. Well, now he's had three straight games of 20-plus carries. I think with that continued workload as now the clear-cut RB1 and his improvement and the offensive line's improvement, I think with all those things, I think we're seeing we're going to see the best running back season yards-wise um, since Joe Mixon's 2016 campaign. Well, they're going to have an opportunity for uh, Eric Gray to have a big day tomorrow. Uh, West Virginia's defense is gettable, and, man, I, I ran down the numbers earlier this week, and I'll try to do it really quick, but since West Virginia has joined the Big 12, it seems like OU's averaged about 50 points every time they've uh, gone out there for a game. They scored 50 in that game in 2012 against Geno Smith and Tavon Austin. The Kenny Stills from Landry Jones slant in the end zone late in the game. Uh, what was it, like 59-56 the last time they were out there in 2018? They scored a ton of points in 2014 and 2016. Like, we're used to shootouts in Morgantown against these guys, and I, I think tomorrow we probably have another chance to see that. But the shootouts we've seen out there have been filled with, like, 400 and 500-yard passing days. I feel like the run game is going to be more of a part of this shootout than maybe we've seen previously. Oh, Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, you look at some of the quarterbacks we've had come through and just kind of the the offense that, that Lincoln Riley ran specifically, it's uh, it, it's it's interesting, Tyler. We talked about it early in the season, right, about the run game. Hey, you know, Levy, I think they ranked top 10 in uh, rushing attempts, uh, maybe top 15 in rushing attempts when he was at Ole Miss. Uh, obviously, that's a bit of a product of just running so many plays in that up-tempo offense, but uh, I think he's proven it now more than, I mean, more than we probably even expected. This team is a running team that tries to throw bombs off the run. You know what would be good tomorrow? Uh, you know what would be just great? How about a stress? A win. A win, a, a win <laughs> yes. I, I, I'll take it, whatever it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. The final score, the outcome, I, I, I will not be picky about this team's sixth win of the year. But if I were to be picky on this Friday – Man, what would a stress-free Saturday do to this fan base right now? I don't expect it to be a total stress-free Saturday with the way that this team has played recently, but, man, what a calming mechanism that would be for everyone who's just so stressed and wound up and 
it's almost like Friday gets here and normally you're excited, but now this year it's like, oh gosh, Saturday means I'm going to get stressed all over again. You really haven't had a stress-free Saturday since when? The Nebraska game, I guess? It would do everyone a lot of good if that could be the case tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it could. I mean, I don't think I don't think the I don't know. I don't think KU was all that stressful. That that final score looks closer Those than it was. Those first couple of drives um, for them offensively was like, oh god, here we go again. They've scored on their first two drives. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's funny, Tyler, because no matter how we play in this game, we could, you know, we could, you know, pitch a fifty-two to seven out there, and you know what? We'll hear all next week, Tyler. Well. <laughs> West Virginia is the worst team in the Big 12. Of course you won oh, like for that. Sure. They'll go, you know, they'll go beat somebody because we heard that after Iowa State. We heard that after Kansas. It's like, golly, like you, you would think at this point they would just be happy with the team winning, let alone winning big. Yeah, well, you're going to get no credit. I don't feel like you're going to get a whole lot of credit from the fans after this win because you're right. We heard it on the postgame show immediately after, like, cool, guys, you beat Iowa State, whatever. And then now this team lost to Iowa State by 17 points. Iowa State scored its most points against any Power 5 team this year last week against West Virginia. So even if it is a stress-free Saturday, you're probably right. It'll be mostly filled with, who cares? They're terrible. Who cares about West Virginia? You better have beat West Virginia. Now go beat Oklahoma State and Tech. It, we'll, we'll see what you're – not what you're really made of the next two weeks, but if you've really made any progress, we'll see it in Bedlam or on the road at Lubbock. But that's fine. That's the way it is. I guess that's life for a uh, five and four football team uh, at this point going into November. That's just where we're at. Yeah, to, to, I mean, they've kind of got a point, right? I mean, they've kind of got a point. Like, yeah, you just beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and you'll be bowl eligible at minimum. Um, and West Virginia is reeling, uh, you know, coming off that loss uh, with Iowa State. But I tell you what, it reminds me a lot of my seven and one Vikings that. Basically, everybody is saying they're just a bunch of bums that happen to be getting lucky every single game. It's it's like ne- neither team can get any credit. It's incredible. Everybody thinks these schedules are supposed to be like, you know, week one you play, you know, the Avengers, and then you play the 72 Dolphins, then the 85 Bears, and then you play an all-star team of all Nick Saban's Bama teams. You play, like, all, all this. It's like that's just not what the schedule is. You can only play who's on your schedule. Just beat who's on your schedule. Uh, 682 area code, Nebraska was euphoria. That was a pretty awesome weekend. We will always. Nebraska was awesome. We will always have the Nebraska weekend. And the expectations leaving Nebraska, going back home to Oklahoma. Woo, that was a Sunday. That, that That was a high that Saturday night and that Sunday driving back, man. This team's gonna make the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Told you it's different. Oh man, it was and and the team fooled everybody. I mean, that, I mean, the biggest OU hater that walks this planet, Colin Cowherd, even said that they were the second best team in the country after the Nebraska win. I mean, and we had reason, man. The defense looked good. We held one of the, at, at the time, most prolific running backs in the country. Uh, I mean, just, just, just held them to a terrible day. Uh, made Casey Thompson. You know, you hear all these people. Uh, whether it be on social media or, you know, on, on even on the text line or even just, just, you know, analysts and whatnot saying, well, you know, we make these middling quarterbacks looks like, look like Heisman Trophy winners. 
I mean, Deckers, I mean, Jason Bean, Casey Thompson. You know, you've had a lot of quarterbacks. Even Blake Shapin didn't didn't really really beat us through the air. It was their run game that got it. Like, really, Oklahoma's defense hasn't been making Heisman candidates out of uh, middling quarterbacks this year as much as they have in the past. Well, they made running backs look like Heisman candidates. That's, that's who they've done it to. Oh, yeah, recently, absolutely. Uh, te- yeah, they switched up on us. A couple more texts. Who is West Virginia getting back for this game personnel-wise? I know they were missing a few for Iowa State. I know they're getting back Tony Mathis, one of their running backs. Um, that's not their leading running back. He might be RB2 tomorrow, RB3 at worst, but they're getting at least one of their running backs tomorrow, so there's that. Um, if OU loses, who gets more blame? The defense or the uniforms? Uh, that's actually a good question. I would actually say that's a great question. after this week, I'm not saying that it, it'll be totally fair, Danny Stutzman will probably get the most blame out of anybody if they lose tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that was tough, man. That's You just can't, you can't say that. <laughs> like, uh, you got to be locked into the details. The details matter. If there's one thing that Brent Venables um, has been – you know, firm on all year is every single little detail matters. What we ask you to do, do it. There's a reason. I got, we got 25 years of evidence on our side that says we know what we're talking about. Accurate. What's going on at Ash up there in Tulsa? Oh, at Ash, we, uh, you know, got this plush seating, the great big blue ox smoke eaters. So you walk in and you're not walking through a haze of cigar smoke. Um, you got uh, old old Steve Bullard uh, up here, a big time Sooner fan here locally. Um, yeah, got got the allocated whiskey options. Obviously, got a nice walk-in humidor and three dollar domestics today. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the Air Cover Solutions text line. We'll take your comments and questions all show long. Get you ready for OU West Virginia coming up at 11 a.m. on FS1 tomorrow. Sooners are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Don't forget about the official KREF watch party at Buffalo Wild Wings off uh, I-40 and Rockwell tomorrow. Travis and I will both be there watching the football game, doing the two-hour postgame show as well. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. It's an OAC Football Friday. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. It's the Got a traditional power in Oklahoma coming in. And uh, I think offensively, you start with them, it's Dylan Gabriel. Um, he's he's a dual-thread guy. He can run. He's got a quick release, uh, really strong arm. Um, the running back, Gray, who transferred a year ago from Tennessee, um, he's doing it in both the running and the passing game. They're running the ball well. They they always – they always um, you know, Bill Beatonball, who was here, some of you guys know him. I think he does a, a great job. Um, and they're running the ball well. I think the tight end, Willis, is having an all-conference type of season. And then always, always talented wide out. And Mims is leading the charge, and and they're going to play really fast. And so, obviously, we had our struggles with that against Texas Tech, so we got to be better there. OEC Football Friday, it is the rush. Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Obviously, we agree with all of those names who are dangerous threats on the offense. But you know who I would uh, really like to see back for this OU offense tomorrow? He was a game-time decision last week. He didn't even make the trip to Ames the week before. 
this offense, I think, could really benefit from Javante Barnes being back from that hamstring injury. And I don't know if he is going to be back tomorrow in Morgantown. I would guess this time around he probably makes the trip, but no offense to Marcus Major, but I feel like this team is better when Barnes is uh, RB2. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I knew who you were about to say, and I got a big old smile on my face and because uh, I knew that the PA announcer voice was coming. Sorry, uh, man. You, I know, uh, I you, know. And you let me down. And, I know. And you I let me you down. You let, you let me down. You, you let our listeners down. Um, you let Javante Barnes down, really, really is did. what you did. Um, but uh, regardless, yeah, I do think Marcus Majors has not been the the – season opening Marcus Major that we saw. You remember that juke where it looked like he um, shape-shifted or something like transported himself to the other side of a defender. It was incredible out to the right. Um, we haven't seen that. Even running with power, he was doing a little dancing uh, on, on, a, on a short run that we got stopped on. It's just I'm not sure if he doesn't have really the confidence in his body right now, but he just hasn't looked the same. And Javante Barnes, that is a – it's a budding star, man. And you're looking at maybe RB1 next year. So you want to start getting him some reps. Um, Tyler, where do you think Marcus Major is – what does his role look like in 2023? Is he at Oklahoma? Does he try, you know, a draft combine situation? Um, you know, huh. what What do you think that looks like, Tyler? Um, well, I think Eric Gray's gone. I think he's gone at the end of the year to the NFL, so I think that that definitely affects things. Ooh, right. boy. Um, I, I think that he – you know what, man? I, I think that if he comes back to Oklahoma, and I'm guessing he would at this point, that it would look very similar to this year, that he is involved in the offense early on, but we get to this point in the year – and he's kind of thought of he may be your third best option because Barnes is going to be your number one back next year, at least I think. We'll see if they add anyone via the portal. You have another guy um, from Washington coming in via the portal who's at least eligible next year. You know, you got the two freshmen coming in, Gavin Sawchuk. I, I don't mind if Marcus Major has a role with the team this year. I just don't want him running the Wildcat like he did last week. It was a fourth and one. It may have been the biggest play of the game, certainly one of the biggest plays now that we look back on it. I'd rather have Braden Willis in that spot. I would rather have Eric Gray in that spot. I don't want Marcus Major in a spot tomorrow with the Wildcat on a goal-to-go situation or a third or fourth and short situation. I don't know why they put Marcus Major in that spot last week. If he gets a couple of carries tomorrow, fine, so be it. But I don't want him in big spots like that. I want Gray or Willis, preferably Gray, running the ball out of the Wildcat if they're in that spot again. Right. I like Eric Gray running it, like you said, so specifically Braden Willis can block because he is one of the most devastating blockers uh, that this Sooner team has. Uh, I think the Marcus Major question is very interesting because I think um, while you know while you you know while you have Javante Barnes who's not afraid to get physical, we know that it almost seems like he hungers for that physicality. Um, 
Gavin Sawchuk, a little bit of added weight, hopefully doesn't impact that speed. He's truly got world-class speed, and that's what we've kind of been missing, Tyler, from this backfield. Eric Gray can definitely make a man miss, get wide, but it's not, it's not a, he's not a guy that's going to hit the edge and it's see you later, right? It's not a home run threat you know, every time he touches the ball. It's, it's like a, a stand-up double threat, which is still great. I'll take stand-up doubles all day, um, but you, know, you wonder, you know, does Marcus Major kind of fit into that you know, add some more weight and just say, look, this is our, our goal line guy and there's nothing you can do to stop him. Um, other than that, I'm, I, I have a tough time carving out a role uh, next year that doesn't look like this this year's role. Yeah, I mean, he's had plenty of opportunities to prove us otherwise. I mean, has he not? He, he's had chances this year to emerge as the number one back and he's even had chances here the past couple of weeks to give us something uh, a little bit different than what he's you know had throughout his career but he, he's not a bad player he's a nice player he can definitely serve a role within this offense but I think he kind of is what it what he is and I, I would rather have uh, Javante Barnes in as running back two at this point is that better I love okay. it yeah there you go oh so much better Everyone on the text line was disappointed. I think more disappointed than you were that I didn't say it. So I didn't want to let everyone down on this OEC Football Friday. Trying to let the spirits up a little bit. Trying yeah, to get everyone in a good, you yeah, know, good, be. positive mood before tomorrow. No, absolutely. I'll tell you what, though, um, and I wanted to touch on this uh, when we were on with Parker. I just forgot. Um, but what's, what's interesting is people were talking about uh, earlier on the text line you know, does the Big 12 do, do 11 a.m. kickoffs, uh, all that kind of stuff? Does that all hurt um, recruiting? And he brought up the move to the SEC. Well, uh, I'm sure you guys talked about it a little bit, but that Jaden Rashada flip. Oh my gosh, we um, led with it today. I mean, Travis, that's how big that was. Well, his his, his first. I mean, one of his first sentences in his first section says, "I have dreamed of playing SEC football since I was a little kid." And I don't think there's a kid in America that has ever said that about the Big 12. I don't think they've. Oh, I've dreamt about playing in the Big 12 my whole life. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't think that's a thing. Other than, uh, well, I don't even want to say his name at this point because I don't want to bring it back up. But um, you know, the guy that decommitted from OU and flipped to Texas, Colton Vosick, he basically said that he had dreamed playing for the Burn Orange in Texas his entire life. But you're right; he never said anything about the Big Twelve. That was all UT and nothing right, Big right. Twelve. Teams are one thing. Teams are one thing. But yeah. teams are one thing. It's just wild to see a conference be dropped, and you're like, oh, okay. So when you think about that, and I'm sure there were other things that I mean, I know that there were other things that went into that flip, but it's. It's like we're we're going to that conference. Kids are dropping the conference's name in their flip edits. I mean, incredible stuff. It doesn't get kids jacked up to go play a road game at Morgantown, West Virginia, or Lubbock, Texas, or the great college town that is Waco, Texas. You're saying that that doesn't do it for anybody, Travis? Yeah, I'm I'm saying it might not be the most attractive list of destinations. Mm, yeah. It used As to be. somebody who's been in a lot of those destinations this year. <laughs> yeah, it used to be. Gunny, you're right. Back in the early 2000s, the Big 12 was huge. Th- there was a time, and I know for uh, some of you younger listeners out there, you will not remember this. 
here, here I am at 32 years old, Travis, uh, talking like the old man or something around here. But there was a time where the Big 12 was the superior conference in college football. And not like just for a year. There was a decent stretch where that was the case. I think the late 90s, that was certainly the case. And I definitely think when OU started to rise as a, uh, as a power program in the sport again, you had OU, who was an elite program. Nebraska, who was still an elite program. Kansas State was playing their best ball that they've ever had. Texas was a 10-win team, right? Um, even Tech and A&M were kind of around that 8-9, you know, 7-8 win marks every year. OSU was starting to make a rise with less miles. Um, so there, there was a time, and for a decent little stretch there for about, I don't know, five to eight years, the Big 12 was the premier conference in college football. Not the SEC, not the Big 10, it was the Big 12. And that's what, to me, makes it so impressive about Bob Stoops' rise at OU in such a short amount of time. He didn't do it while the, pack, or while the Big 12 was down. He did it when the Big 12 was at its strongest, man. The, the strongest the Big 12 has ever been is right at the same time when OU started to make its move. Yeah, well, and I think we all remember those electric weeks when it was, you know, the 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 Crabtree Tech team. Obviously, OU. You know, we had the one of the best environments in OU football history uh, that year, and then uh, obviously Texas had their share. I mean, that that three way tie at the top. I mean, that was every bit, every bit as good as what the SEC West has been. Yeah, I mean when you look at it just from a numeric, like just a rankings perspective. And I think a lot of people forget that, but yeah. But even then, like, I mean, granted the, the recruiting services then aren't even what they are now. And there are, they weren't as many as there are now, but I don't think you ever heard kids going, Oh man, I just need, I just, I just need to play in the big 12 where we've heard it multiple times from like, even old, old Leon slow Neal uh, that went out to a and M uh, and then I think I don't even think he got drafted, but um, he was the one that said, "Yeah, I'm too good for Big 12 ball. That's why I went to Jeez. you know the SEC team yeah. in Texas A&M. Yeah, the three like, and oh, six yeah. fighting four twenties. Yeah, you're too good for this league. Okay, <laughs> dude, you picked yeah. the winner down there. Right, exactly. Oh God, yeah. Come on, exactly. Auburn. I've never rooted harder for Auburn than I will tomorrow. And, and here's the thing, Travis. It's like I'm not." letting off the gas on this deal. I'm not, you know, okay, A&M's 3-6. and six. I'm going to let off the gas a little bit, and I'm going to ease off of my hate from these guys. It's been bad enough. No way, man. This is the finish line. I want this to be as bad as it can possibly be for A&M. I've got my foot on the gas for a 3-9 and nine season for Texas A&M. So don't expect me to let off on this football Friday. I will continue my hate for A&M as strong as it's been all year long. So let's go War Damn Eagle. Uh, Cadillac Williams and the Auburn Tigers, let's get his first win as the interim head coach. Let's do it. Let, let's make this win right. so big that he ends up getting the job at the end of the year. How about that? Well, and, and the thing is with A&M and how bad they've you know been this year, you know, it's – what have they been bragging about? Oh, man, the freshmen are getting so much playing time, really valuable playing time. Well, yeah, and they're getting run through. What uh, Ole Miss had? What three hundred and ninety yards rushing against them? Like they're one of the. They're actually Tyler. They're one of the only teams in the country that has a worse rushing defense than Oklahoma, and they're doing it with all those fancy five stars all over. I mean, they're too deep on five stars. You know, all across the defensive line. I think they took like 
five of the top eight defensive linemen in last year's class. I mean, they've got everybody. So, I mean, I I, th- I feel I don't know if you're you're a, you're a fan of the show Hot Ones, Tyler, where uh, uh, Sean Evans uh, walks these guests through uh, interview questions, but as they eat increasingly spicy hot wings, that's that's how I feel Never about some of these like. So, oh well. First of all, it's fantastic. I mean, it's it's really well done. But uh, uh, a lot of the reaction gifts that you see uh, come from that show. But regardless, I th- I feel like it's that with A and M. I need with each loss, I'm just staring right at David Hicks, going, "All right, you're going to decommit now. All right, fine. How about another loss? How about another loss? You keep up in the ante, and after a certain time, you're like, "Okay, fine. I'm decommitting so. from this dumpster fire." <laughs> well, he's at Oregon this weekend, God, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, David Hicks going to be at Oregon this weekend. Texas has a massive recruiting weekend. Uh, just to run it down real quick for all of you out there, Texas has a five-star tight end in town, a five-star linebacker, four-star wide receiver. Uh, Colton Vosick's going to be there. A four-star safety. Five-star edge for 2024, a four-star wide receiver for 2024, and you know Arch Manning's going to be in town as well. All right, it is an OEC Football Friday on the rush. More OU West Virginia coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. The word is spreading, and the ref army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network and worldwide on the KREF app. It's time for Thanksgiving, and oh, there's nothing like food, family, football, and a brand new GMC from Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. The new 20... Cavens Construction, bringing you this hour on a football Friday. Cavens offers remodeling, roofing, water restoration, facility maintenance, 24-7 emergency repairs, and a whole lot more. Cavens Facility Maintenance serves all of Oklahoma. It can help take the ease off of your staff, but fixing those pesky problems in your office building. CavensConstruction.com or 405-573-3048. That's 405-573-3048. The South Florida job is open. And I was reading a story on On3 today, and they had a you know list of coordinators that could potentially be interested in the job or that South Florida should be interested in. And Jeff Lebby's name was brought up. And, look, maybe Jeff Lebby is just dying to be a head coach. I don't necessarily get that feel, but I guess you never really know. If I'm the offensive coordinator at OU, you know, maybe you're not going to get the Penn State job tomorrow. But I feel like if you just stay around, do some nice things for two to three years, you're probably going to get a lot better job offer than a South Florida program that's not in a very good spot right now. So I saw Jeff Levy's name listed for that gig, uh, Travis, and I thought, yeah, fat chance that that's going to happen. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Tyler, if you had to um, have a guy uh, convince Jeff Levy that he can wait around and be one of the highest paid and most successful coordinators in the country until his dream job opens up, that guy would probably be Brent Venables. So when it comes to that, I'm pretty sure Jeff Levy's dream job is probably Oklahoma, if we're being honest. So I don't know. Do you see a situation, Tyler, where Levy just says, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll pull a Brent Venables and sit as a coordinator for a long time and collect my, uh, 
you know, mul- multiple millions per year without really catching, you know, the full blame of a season or sometimes credit of a season. Although Jeff Levy shouldered a lot of blame this year for some reason, but um, I-, I think he could. I think he could one day take over the Oklahoma job. May I, I think he's going to have to be a-, a head coach somewhere else for that to happen, and I- and I think that he will. I don't think he's going to be a head coach after this season, but. In two or three years, yeah, I think that's a real possibility, and I, I, I think that he would. I, I don't, th- I don't see him as a longtime offensive coordinator, which is interesting. Like, who has been a longtime offensive coordinator in college football, and has been you know highly thought of? Has there been one of those guys? Has that existed in the sport? Um, would. Graham Harrell fall into that? Well, I mean, he's even Maybe. at West Virginia now. How long was he at USC? And did he get run out of um, town? Like, he didn't get retained by the new staff, obviously. He never was going to with, with Lincoln getting yeah, that job. Yeah, I mean, job. you can, but with I, Lincoln coming to town. I, I, I'm sure there's been a long, a long-time offensive coordinator somewhere, but I, I can't think of anyone that's been thought of as like, oh, this guy's awesome. But I, oh, been, do you mean at like one, like yeah, at yeah, one yeah, school? Yeah, 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 at like one school oh, for okay. a long thought, period of I, time. Yeah. I got you. No, I misunderstood the question. Um, well, I'd have to think that might, the text line might have to help us out with that. Just longest tenured offensive coordinator. That guy may not exist, that be- and that's kind of what I'm saying. It feels like these guys, you know, they if they're good, they're there for two to three years, and they take another big job. Like I, I'm just trying to think of during the Stoops era. Leach was here for one year, and he was off to Tech. Mangino, that was pretty short, and then he was off to KU. You had Chuck Long go to San Diego State, Kevin Wilson go to Indiana, Heupel, we know what happened with that situation, and Lincoln Riley got promoted to OU. And at the most, I think one of those guys was the OC maybe four years probably. Maybe a little bit longer for – nah, it was around four years for Heupel, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting interesting conversation. But, but again, like I said, it's – you know, Venables was the outlier, you know, for for guys that turned down head coaching jobs in favor of a, a coordinator position. Um, we, I mean, it's it's been well documented that he's turned down jobs uh, in order to keep that position. So, um, and good, high paying jobs, really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you look, so with that, you know, it's possible. But I agree with you. The offensive side of the ball, maybe, uh, maybe not quite that. But Brent I mean, Venables. how long do you think Venables coaches? Um, I think Brent, Brent Venables is going to coach a while. Uh, coach a while as as a head coach. Yeah, I, I think that he's going to be in it for quite some time. I'm, I'm just trying to think of long well, time. When to, you say a while, is it like fifteen years? Yeah, Are we looking at yeah, 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 almost yeah. like a I, like I, a bob I, run. Okay, yeah, cool, I, yeah cool. I think it could be that long. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm with you there. Brent Venables, Kirby Smart. Uh, Kirby was at Alabama for a while. Bud Foster was at Virginia Tech for quite some time. So yeah, you see it with defensive coordinators, but. Not with OCs for what I, I don't think if South Florida comes calling, I don't think that uh, Levy's just going to up and take that job. I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, which we do still have several job openings. Dan Lanning, head coach at Oregon, basically said, "Yeah, I'm good on the Auburn head coaching job." Dan Lanning's out, and he should be. He's got a better job yeah. than the Auburn job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's that's silly. I mean. The Auburn job, as we've talked about, Tyler, I don't, I don't think it's nearly as good as what Auburn fans think it is. I mean, you can't just have your your pick of the litter. There's not a lot of people sprinting 
towards the SEC West where you're in the same state as the greatest football coach of all time running the most successful program of all time. There's not a lot of people running that and with their alumni. I mean, the last guy, uh, you know, it's kind of like why would you go work for people who just basically conjured up you know, an accusation to try and get rid of the last guy. I'm kidding, like, dude. What's to take that on? No, that, thank you. That's like, that's like, uh, yeah, I don't, I, there, there are, yeah, I, I, I just don't think there's a lot of people running to that job, Tyler. Um, that's why, that's why you're not really, I don't think you're going to see a situation like, like a, like a, uh, obviously Lincoln going out to USC, leaving Oklahoma, um, even even with Brian Kelly going from Notre Dame to LSU, I mean, you're not going to get a coach from Oklahoma. You're not going to get a coach from Notre Dame. You're not going to get these head coaches to go to Auburn. Jimbo Fisher, seven years at FSU, says the text line. Was he there that long? I know he was with Saban at LSU. Was he at Florida State for seven years before he got the head coaching job? Okay, I'll have to double-check that. Uh, Jeff, in- Norm Chow is popping up a bunch. Yeah, USC. He was at USC for a while. Well, at least during their heyday. At least during the heyday, he he was there. Lebby hasn't earned even the South Florida job, especially this season, says someone from the 918. All right. Man, with, with, oh my gosh, with a healthy Dylan Gabriel, it's a top 10 offense. I mean, it's, it's very much, he's had success at multiple places, and if people want to, want to say that you know he's a problem or he's done this that or the other even against tcu dylan was just missing open receivers there were receivers getting open other than that i, I mean it was i mean we're averaging over 500 yards a game uh when dylan's healthy for the entire game that's i mean that's good for like top five in the country yeah i mean it's it's Sorry he couldn't coach Davis Bevel to a victory over the Texas Longhorns. It would have been the but, greatest coaching I mean, feat ever if he would have, by the way. It, it, it would have, yes, absolutely. It would have been Phil Jackson levels. I mean, Phil Jackson had players shipping off to Vegas, you know, in the middle of, uh, you know, like middle while they're, where's Dennis? Where's Dennis? Oh, I don't know. He's in Vegas. What? Go get him. Like that kind of nonsense. Phil Jackson was was still coaching them to the NBA Finals during that. It would have been that level of coaching job. Yeah, OAC, but yeah Jeff Levy's fine. OEC Football Friday rolls on next. Keep it on the ref. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is the ref. Hey. Different. It could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Anyone in the mood for a good laugh, a good little chuckle on this OAC Football Friday? Because I just got one. Travis and I were texting during the break, and the LA Times, they are now writing comedy pieces. Here is a headline for their latest piece today on USC. USC strength and conditioning coach Benning Wiley is set to turn around USC culture, which lacks toughness through his life lessons and football journey. That's right. The L.A. Times is now writing pieces on Benny Wiley turning around USC's culture. Wow. Unbelievable. Woo, that defense looks real yeah, tough right now. Looks like he's turned around that culture. Well, and the thing is, like, I know people are going to say, 
I mean, I can already, I can hear the thumbs going crazy about to send us some texts about this. And, you know, they've got some points. They're saying, look, this team is one of the softest OU teams that we've seen in a long time. What happened to Schmitty? What happened? Well, he's having to undo everything that Wiley did. So, patience. Schmitty's, Schmitty's comes well recommended from a dozens of NFL players. I uh, I might subscribe to the LA Times just so I can read this piece as to why Benny Wiley is turning around USC's culture. I, maybe That's there's a pick of you. a kettle. That's bell how they there. get you. Yeah, maybe so. Hour number two That's how they get you. of the Friday Rush rolls on next. Fourteen hundred AM, KREF, Norman, Moore, Oklahoma City.